I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please, to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 13 to 17. Verses 11 and 12 introduce this whole uh, section that ends at chapter 4, verse 11. So we're going to look at verses 13 to 17, which is a general introduction of submission. As you see in verse 13, it says, Submit to everybody. And then in verse 17, show proper respect to everybody. And then next week, it's slaves, submit. Then I'll take a couple of weeks off before I come back, and it says wives, submit. <laughs> and then husbands in the same way. Oh, that's good. And then finally, verse chapter 3, verse 8, all of you. So that's where we're going. So we're at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. Attitude towards authority. The world is changing so rapidly. When my grandmother was in her 30s, the Titanic sank, April 15, 1912. 21 years ago, when I was in my 30s, they made the film Titanic with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, 87 years after the Titanic sank. In those 87 years, things had changed so much that when they made the film Titanic, they couldn't tell the truth. You will remember, if you've seen the film, that uh, the ship was sinking. I Sorry if I spoiled it for you. Um, <laughs> but but people, people were scrambling for the lifeboats. And we had first-class passengers behaving, uh, not like third-class passengers, but like beasts. Uh, and they would only be stopped from forcing themselves into the lifeboats to save themselves by sailors with pistols. But the truth, you know, is exactly the opposite. When the Titanic was sinking, the men stood back while the women and children got into the lifeboats. John Astor, who in the film, you know, sneaked into one of the lifeboats to save himself. John Astor, the richest man in the world, he fought his way into the lifeboat, but only to put his wife in it. And then he stepped back, stepped out, and waved goodbye to her. And Benjamin Guggenheim, he couldn't find his wife, and he refused a seat, saying, Tell my wife I played the game out straight to the end. No woman shall be left aboard this ship, because Ben Guggenheim was a coward. But the filmmakers altered all this. Why? They said because people just wouldn't believe it today. The world has changed so much since 1912. You may remember, if you've been part of the church here for some time, that about 20 years ago, John Clifford was a part of the congregation here. He lived in Staveley, and he was pushing his one-year-old daughter on the swing in their local park where some kids, eight, nine-year-olds, were throwing stones at a little five-year-old boy and laughing at his misery. And so John shouted at them, and they ran off. And one child ran near him, so he put his hand out like this. He didn't touch the boy, but he said to the boy, you shouldn't do that. 
later that evening, the lad's dad knocked at John's door. And when John opened the door, the dad beat him up and landed him in hospital. He hadn't touched the lad. He just told him off for throwing stones at a little five-year-old. Now, if my dad knew that I got told off for bullying, I was likely to land in the hospital. <laughs> Not the person who told me off. But times have changed. And this is seen more than anywhere else in our attitude towards authority. As Christians, we are in great danger of following the standards of society. So we must listen carefully to the Bible. What does God say? So we see, first of all, in verses 13 and 14, submit to every authority. Look at verses 13 and 14. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by them to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. The word submit is a military term. It means uh, exactly, if you were to translate it exactly, it means to arrange under, to put in order under. So in the... Uh, army you have different ranks you know in the armed forces you could tell a person's rank by looking at their stripes or their buttons and so you know who you are to arrange yourself under and everyone is under the authority of those over them and so they follow orders they submit well the modern man you and me we hate this I'm number one I don't submit to anybody. I don't bow to anybody. No, says the word of God, you must submit to everybody. That's what it literally says in verse 13. Literally, the phrase, every authority instituted among men, is literally to every human creature or to every human creation. And the New International Version uh, takes it as every human creation and says that that creation is the form of government. Fits in well with the context. But Peter doesn't actually say, submit yourselves to every form of government. He actually says, submit yourselves to people, to the emperor, to governors, etc. He said, submit to every human Creature. <laughs> That's strange. Why does he use that phrase about human beings? Because, you see, the Roman world worshipped the emperor as if he was God. The Roman coins would have a, a picture of Caesar on it and around it the words, our Lord and God. And people obeyed the emperor as divine. No, says Peter, he's just a human creature. The same as the rest of us. We submit to human creatures. The same teaching is given in Ephesians 5 verse 21 where Paul says submit to one another. Now, don't misunderstand this. To, to submit means to arrange in order under, right? To 
to arrange in order under. So if your two toddlers are in Tesco's and they see the Smarties and the Haribo sweets and they say, I want some sweets. And you say, no, no, it's nearly tea time. But they say, I want some sweets. Buy us some sweets. You don't say, I must submit to them. I've got to submit to everybody. <laughs> the Bible says so. You don't. It's submit under. You recognize the authorities over you and you, sub you arrange yourself under. So you see your little kiddies throwing a paddy, having a tantrum in Tesco's. And so what you do is you just walk over them and totally ignore them. You don't submit to your toddlers. But as we see um, in verse 18 next week, uh, slaves are told to submit to their masters. Masters are not told to submit to their slaves. So you submit. You arrange yourself under the people who are in rank above you. We are all to be in the right Position. So children will submit to their parents. Parents will submit to the authorities over them, etc. And we're all under authority somewhere. So first of all then, look, let's look at it. Verse 13, what does it say? Halfway through verse 13. We submit to the supreme authority. Some versions say the king, some versions say the emperor as supreme authority. In Peter's day, this was Nero and Claudius. And it is amazing that the Bible tells us to submit to people like Nero and Claudius. Both of them vile men. Now, the Apostle Peter could think of a thousand and one good reasons why he shouldn't submit to these vile, evil dictators. But we submit, he says. To us, it's not the emperor, it's the government. Now, some people think it wouldn't have been a disaster if in 1605 Guy Fawkes had managed to blow up the Houses of Parliament because with the sex scandals and the expenses scandals and the anti-Christian laws, people think, oh, it would be better off without them. They're actually beginning to look more and more like Claudius and Nero, some people think. Submit, says Peter. Accept their authority. Now, to submit does not actually necessarily mean to support them. In the Old Testament, in Jeremiah's day, Israel was to submit to Babylon, knowing that God was going to deal with it. He didn't support them. He didn't pray for the sake of the city. We are to pay our taxes. We are to obey the laws, just as Jesus did. We are to submit to the authorities, the supreme authority. Now, you've got to realize that the supreme authority is not absolute. We do our best to obey the godless authorities, just as Daniel did in Babylon. But what if you're a Christian in North Korea today? What if you're in um, Iran under... Ayatollah Khamenei. Well, as Oliver Cromwell discovered hundreds of years ago, you treat the king respectfully. You do all you honestly can to obey them. But sometimes they are so destructive, 
so diabolical like Hitler that because you fear God, you cannot support them. But that is the exception, not the rule. Ah, get that? So, so the, we're not saying that the, the emperor is God and he has absolute authority. We're saying the emperor is permitted by God. He has real authority. And as Christians, we are to really respect that authority and do everything we possibly can to submit to the supreme authority, knowing that they are godless. Secondly, verse 14, submit to local authorities. Verse 14, or to governors who are sent by him, the king, to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. Now, Peter, he knew how unfair local authorities could be. He had been flogged by them. He'd been imprisoned by them. He could think of a thousand and one good reasons to rebel against them. And so he might be tempted to say, okay, okay, I accept the authority of the emperor, but not yours. I don't recognize your authority. But he didn't say that. He didn't do that. He submits, and he tells us to submit. When they punish us, when they fine us for evangelizing Jews or Muslims, or when they praise us for voluntary work in schools and care homes, we submit to them. I remember, and it, and it sh shook me really, because I was a young lad when the law came in that everybody had to wear seatbelts in the front of the car. And I remember picking up a godly old man to take him to church. I wasn't driving, I was sitting in the back. And the person who was driving, I wasn't old enough to drive, the person who was driving said to him, well, would you put your seatbelt on? He said, no, I don't wear seatbelts. And so the driver said, I'm afraid it's the law of the land. I don't care if it's the law of the land. I've never worn a seatbelt. I don't wear seatbelts. And he was beating, this is a godly man, just totally disrespects the law. That's totally unacceptable. You know, it, it is stupid, really, because it wasn't a bad law, was it? It was for their benefit, but they were stubborn, too proud, would not submit. They were rebelling against the word of God. They were sinning. I remember when the poll tax was introduced in 1989. I had friends who refused to pay it because they said it wasn't fair. Maybe, maybe not. But that isn't the issue. We are to submit to the authorities whether we like it or not. But aren't we told we are to obey God, not man? Isn't that what Peter taught in Acts? No, no, it wasn't. We are to obey God always. And we are to obey the government even when we don't like it. We are only to disobey the government which is always sinful, always imperfect. We're only to disobey the government when it is totally opposed to the will and word of God. When they make it impossible for us to obey God at the same time as obeying them, well, then we put God first. <laughs> this isn't a, a cop-out, you know, escape clause. Oh, I don't obey the government, I obey God. No, God says, pay your taxes. God says, submit to the authorities. God says, um, 
uh, you, you are to use your money to pay your taxes. But you say the government uses my taxes to finance wars. And God says that's their responsibility. I will deal with them for that. You pay your taxes. Now, we can illustrate this in hundreds of ways. Um, we only disobey the government when to, obey, when to obey the government is clearly to sin and disobey God. And that is a very rare exception. I had a phone call from my brother, Andrew. You know he's worked in China for an awful long time. And, and there is in the press recently a um, uh, Chinese pastor who's been arrested and beaten up. And my brother was talking to um, one of the underground pastors uh, about him. And the underground pastor said, yeah, but he's of the old school who feels we've got to attack and criticize the government. The majority of us, we don't do that. We do our best to obey the government in everything we possibly can. It's interesting, isn't it? As a rule, if you are a Christian, you should be the most law-abiding citizen there is. Let it be known that us here at Walton Evangelical Church will submit to the authorities over us, to every authority over us. We will be model citizens. That's probably enough for us to live on today, isn't it? <laughs> probably need to spend the rest of the afternoon repenting. But we need to hear what the Word of God says. But that's just the first point. Sorry, folks. I've got another three. Look at the next point. Do good. He says, submit, because in verse 15 because it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men we will be better than model citizens we will not only obey the laws we will also put ourselves out to do good for society now I can't emphasize this enough Every year or so, uh, evangelical Christians are, are likened by some member of parliament or some journalist like, like a fundamental Muslim terrorist, aren't we? You know, they, they lump us together. We're evangelicals and so we're like fundamentalist terrorists. And, and, well, the Christian church always gives a howl of protest, doesn't it? But you see, society should just laugh at their MPs or the journalists for making those comments. Back in the 19th century in England, they would have laughed. You know, if they'd accused the evangelicals of being uh, terrorists in the <laughs> 1850s, the society would have laughed. Do you know that 85% of social work done in Great Britain in 1850 was done by the evangelical churches? Think of William Wilberforce campaigning for the freedom of the slaves because he was an evangelical. Think of Lord Shaftesbury 
the poor man's earl campaigning for those in the uh, factories because he was an evangelical. Think of William Booth and the Salvation Army working for the good of the fallen and the outcasts because they were evangelicals. Think of Dr. Bernardo working for the children because he couldn't be a missionary to China because they were evangelicals. And to equate evangelical Christians with terrorists back then would have brought down ridicule on the people's heads. But not today. Because the church today virtually does no good for the sake of society. We do everything for ourselves. We just look after us. And virtually nothing for our community. If you were in Birmingham in the uh, 19th century and you went to the great uh, Congregational Church of Cars Lane, the minister there was called George Dixon. And he preached what's called the civic gospel, not the social gospel. Social gospel is you're saved by good works, etc. But the civic gospel was saying that we are citizens of heaven and of earth. And he made a rule that every member of his congregation had to do something every week for the good of society. Whether it was helping to finance the library or whether it was doing voluntary work in the uh, hospital or whether it was cleaning up the streets. He says, we are here to do good in society. And his ministry had a phenomenal impact in Birmingham. Unfortunately, he's not well known because his biography was written by another minister who was a Unitarian, not an Evangelical, and so it kind of colored the um, biography. But they put a statue of him in Birmingham, in the Bullring, I think. <laughs> but they've taken it down. It's hidden away now. But he was teaching us we've got to do good. Basically, we tend to think that as long as we're good citizens and are obeying the authorities, that's enough. But it's not enough. Jesus tells us that we're not to do the minimum. If someone forces you to walk one mile, says Jesus, go the second mile. And so there's the fisherman Peter, mending his nets after a busy night's fishing. And um, a soldier comes along and says, uh, carry my rucksack for a mile. So what does Peter do? I shall tell you in a few minutes. You see, we are to do over and above the call of duty. So if the bins are knocked over by lads in the neighborhood, we tidy up. If someone can't go shopping because they're too frail, we'll do it for him. If someone's child is in hospital, then we'll look after the other children so both parents can visit. We'll do whatever we can. And they will notice. And when someone says evangelicals are like Muslim terrorists, the people around will just laugh at them because you do good. And by doing good, you silence the voices of ignorant peoples and foolish men. I'm in the team of the first reversal. Do you know what that means? When you're driving your car 
and you meet another car and someone's got to reverse, I reverse first. I try to make my point, not you've got to do it, you've got to submit. Try to put other people first. When the plague hit the Roman world uh, in the early centuries of the Christian church, it was the Christians who stayed to help, who went and got the dead bodies and gave them a decent burial while, while relatives fled. The same happened during the Black Death in Europe. Think of the uh, witness of the Christian churches just over in Eam. We have to be known for doing good. So what can we do? So much. School governors, supply teachers, adopt children, run homework classes, serve this in care homes, support for refugees, home for home for students, hospitality for internationals, meals for the hungry, clean up the neighborhood, after school clubs, parenting classes, debt counseling, what good are we going to do? Are we going to do good? What is God saying to us? We will be better than model citizens. We will do good in society. Which brings us thirdly to verse 16, which is where it gets even more exciting. You see, we see ourselves as slaves of Christ. Look at verse 16. Live as free men... But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Why are you a model citizen? Why do you go the second mile and do all the good you can? Is it because the state has power over you? Are you a slave of the state? No, not at all. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a free man or a free woman. You are not under the control and tyranny of the state. You are free. Do you remember the slaves in the book of Exodus, the Hebrew slaves? They walked out of Egypt as free people. Well, we have been more than that by Christ. We have been set free. We are free people, but we are slaves of Christ servants of Christ there in verse 16. So, when Peter is mending his nets after a tiring night's work and along comes a Roman soldier with his heavy rucksack and he says to Peter, come and carry my rucksack for one mile. What does Peter do? He picks it up and he starts carrying it. And after a mile... The soldier says, you can drop the rucksack now. Um, Peter says, it's all right. I'll carry it for another mile for you. And the soldier says, it's okay. I can only force you to go one mile. And Peter says, oh, didn't you know? I didn't carry it because you forced me to. I carried it because that's the will of my master. And I'll carry it another mile because that's the will of my master. And suddenly, you see, he's not under the tyranny of Rome anymore. He lives for Jesus Christ. Everything he does, he does because he's a slave of Jesus Christ. He's not a slave of the emperor. He's not a slave of the governors. He's not a slave of the Roman soldier. He's not a slave of the tax man. He's a slave of Jesus Christ. Don't abuse your freedom, as Peter says. Don't use it as a cover-up for sin. 
You don't say to the Roman soldier, clear off, I'm not carrying, carrying your rucksack, I'm not under your rules, I'm a free man in Christ, carry it yourself. Remember those verses we read from Matthew 17 when Jesus was asked if he paid the temple tax. And Jesus asked Peter, do kings collect taxes from their sons or from others? From others, replied Peter. Then the sons are exempt, says Jesus. We don't have to pay the temple tax. Tell them to clear off. No, that's not what he says. He says the sons are exempt, but so that we will not offend them. Take the money and give it to them and pay your taxes and mine. Don't use your freedom for evil. Use it as your master desires. So, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, like society, we can take them to court and sue them but you don't. Or like society, we can continue the evil and hit them back, but we don't. We turn the other cheek. We say, that's how my master behaves. That's how I shall live. I'm not under your control. I'm under the rule of my Lord and master, Jesus Christ. I follow him. In other words, you don't submit because the emperor says so. You're a child of God, free from the emperor. You submit because the king of kings wants you to. And that's how his kingdom functions. And this is how his world is blessed. Don't use your freedom to justify evil. Live as servants of God. I told you it got more and more challenging as we went along, didn't it? You submit to the authorities. You do good. You live as slaves of Christ and Finally, big sigh of relief. Finally, verse 17, show proper respect to everyone. In verse 13, Peter said, submit to every human creature. Now he says, show proper respect. Literally, honor everyone. First of all, we honor people. This verse begins and ends with, with talking about people in the secular world world. Peter uh, begins telling us to honor um, everyone, and then he ends, honor the king. Now, as I said, he may be a vile, evil, persecuting madman, but he's king, so honor him. Your boss at work may be a miserly, lecherous, beastly man. But he's created in the image of God. He has an eternal soul. He has a life that can be lived for Christ. And so honor him. He's not an animal, even if he behaves like one. Show him proper respect. I, I wish I could remember where I, I read this story, and, and I hope I've got it correct. But the, the rebels were coming through the town. They were shooting and raping at will. And the missionaries were hiding in their flat. And dad said, put the kettle on, set the table for tea. And when there was a <laughs> at the door, he opened the door and with a big smile, he greeted the rebels and said, you must be hungry. Come in and sit down and have some tea with us. And they did. 
And then they left, and they didn't attack anyone in the whole block of five. Treat people with respect, even politicians. They are not dirt. They are not beasts. They are created by God for his glory. Show proper respect. Secondly, love the brotherhood of believers. Over and above the way you treat your neighbors, you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you will do anything you can to help them. You don't merely honor them, you love them. You seek their best. You put them first. You give financially to help them. You will do anything you can to help them. And then supremely, fear God. Reverence God. Have such a massive view of God. Look at the stars, how great he is. Might have seen on the news just the lightning flashing across the south of England overnight. Just, just a little bit of God's uh, power revealed in nature. Look at the stars. Look at the cross and see how good God is. Look at the plan of salvation and see how wise God is. And he is with us. And we are his slaves. So let us live giving him the utmost respect. We don't come to church to get attention for ourselves. We meet publicly to give all the honor and all the glory to God. And then we go away to put into practice this so that in everything, even our, our respect for ungodly authority, Jesus Christ's will is done in our life. This is the Christian way because this is how Jesus behaved. You remember when he was 12 and his parents found him in the temple. What do we read? He went back to Nazareth and submitted to them. Even though he was God incarnate and they were poor, ill-educated peasants, he submitted to them. He submitted to the Sanhedrin and paid his temple tax. He even washed his disciples' feet, even Judas, putting them first. He obeyed the will of his Father in heaven. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will but yours be done, he prayed. He submitted to Herod and Pilate. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. But he was silent before Herod. And he let Pilate hand him over to be crucified. He didn't shout, I don't recognize your authority. He didn't call his disciples to fight. Quite the opposite. He treated these authorities with respect and submitted to their authority. Jesus did it. We are his followers. But we can't do this in our own strength. It's not me saying, now you know what to do. Go and do it. Because naturally it's impossible. We follow the example of God incarnate. In order to do that, we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Without His strength, we will fail every time. So in prayer and in faith, we put off the old man with its sinful desires and we put on the Lord Jesus. In faith, 
reaching out to him for his life in us, for his strength to live his way, to be imitators of Jesus Christ so that society will see the beauty of Jesus in us, so that even without a word being spoken, they will see the gospel lived out. Submit, says Peter. Submit yourselves to every authority. It's called evangelism, you know.